Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. I'm Brandon Fong, and I am beyond excited to have you here. So grateful whether you are a returning listener or this is your very, very first episode. Welcome, welcome. And I'm super excited to introduce you to today's guest, my favorite Frenchman, Mr. Eric Douay. Keep that, uh, that childlike curiosity because it gets atrophied through time. And I find that curiosity is certainly like the what, what I would call the Muslim Ubana trigger the genius because you know you want question away from an answer who gonna make you super successful or super free or super loving or super but the really curiosity is not just about asking but it's about expanding the horizon it's like freeing the constraint and discovering way more than you think there was to the question so I actually found out in researching for this podcast episode that English is actually Eric's third language. So first he grew up speaking French, then he learned Spanish, and now he speaks English. I could listen to his French accent all day. <laughs> but let me tell you a little bit about Eric. I don't have a formal bio, but I want to introduce Eric like you to Eric like I would be introducing a friend. So Eric is the founder of Fair Merchant Solutions. It is a credit card processing company. He's processed over $1 billion in credit card a transaction and that is billion with a B not an M. So yes, he's one of the best at merchant accounts and credit card processing, helping free entrepreneurs from all the craziness and all the madness that happens when processing credit cards. But that's not why I love Eric <laughs> for, even though it is amazing that he has uh, incredible prowess in credit card transactions. What I love about Eric is that he is an amazing human being and his secret sauce to having less than 1% of his clients leave him every single year and acquire really, really big relationships with really big players is that he cares. He loves people and he is a relationship long-term guy to the core. And I've actually known of Eric for over five years now. I saw him in another mastermind I was a part of, got to know him in a part of a different mastermind. And we've just stayed in touch because he's a relationship guy. He's always checking in. He's always spending quality time with his wife and kids. And he's always texting me, asking how things are going. And like I said, it's just, it's just really, really cool to see that him practice being a long-term relationship person. And I got to learn some of the intricacies and some of the details about how he does that over the years and a little bit more about his amazing entrepreneurial journey and also personal journey. So there's so much gold that you're gonna learn in today's episode. But as always, I would love for you to look out for three specific things. Number one, how a random person completely changed Eric's life when he was 18 years old while he was working at a summer job mowing lawns at a stadium in Toulouse. That that is really, really cool. Eric doesn't even remember this guy's name, but just a really cool story about the impact that we can make in people's lives um, without even knowing it. So look out for that story. Number two, how you can make your competition irrelevant by applying the five love languages in your business. So for those of you who don't know the five love languages, it is a really famous relationship book by Gary Chapman. Um, but Eric has spent a lot of time thinking about how to actually apply the love languages when building relationships with your clients. And uh, that was a really cool part of the conversation. And then number three, I want you to look out for a story that we talk about from another guest that's been on the show, Kevin Thompson. So uh, Kevin, 
is an amazing relationship building human as well. And he had a merchant account that he was working with processing all of his credit cards. And they decided to tell him right before Christmas that he had 30 days to find a new credit card processor. And they were holding on to almost $50,000 of his money. What the reason why I wanted uh, Eric to talk about this story, because because Eric ended up supporting Kevin through this process is this is not the first time I've heard this happen to an entrepreneur where you have a credit card processing company that just decides that they're going to hold your money and all of a sudden you have no cash flow and no access to all the the cash that are, was sitting inside of your merchant account. So this is a lesson that I, I've heard and many people heard like learn the hard way. So as the what I call the, the Michael Jordan of credit card processing, I wanted him to share this because if you are an entrepreneur that is going to be growing a business, there are some really valuable lessons that we talk about that can help you save a ton of headache. And I, I guarantee the old Kevin Thompson, if he had heard this forever ago, he might be, uh, uh, he might've been saved from a lot of this trouble. So I really wanted to make sure that we pulled on that as well, because it's a very, very valuable lesson from uh, any growing entrepreneur. So there's so many gold stories. There is so much wisdom and knowledge passed in this episode. And uh, Eric is just a really, really fun human that <laughs> he just loves life. So you're going to pick that up on today's episode. So without any further ado, here is my dear friend, Mr. Eric Douay. Mr. Eric, make it happen, Douay, my favorite Frenchman, one of my favorite human beings. Welcome to the show. Beyond excited to have you here, my friend. Well, very excited to be here too. <laughs> you know, it was funny in preparing for this conversation because you and I had so many amazing conversations over the years and we dove in recently and it was really cool in the last few conversations we had because I've always known you as a relationship building guy. And the last few times we talked, I kind of saw how that actually transformed and showed up in your life in many different ways. And so I was thinking about all the different juicy places we could start. And I thought the coolest place we could start would actually be talking about your grandmother. So you had shared this really beautiful story about your grandmother from your mother's side about something that she shared with you when you were pretty young, when you were angry, but she shared some wisdom for you that really kind of, it seems like made a massive impact in your life. So I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit about your grandmother and what she shared with you back then. Yeah, it's funny. It, 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 it's funny because people always have like a mega mentor, you know, was a billionaire or a top coach. And and I got the chance to meet those people, but I have to say the very first, very, very first mentor, I guess she had an advantage on the others because she saw me growing before the others, uh, <laughs> was my mother from uh, my mother's side. And it, it's amazing how, you know, she died at the age of 95, a little bit over 20 years ago. So you can imagine that when she was younger, there was no internet, no social media, there was just bombs around, you know, it was the war. Yeah. You know, she was born in 19, so when she was 1902, so when she was a teenager, was the, the war. And she lost her mother when she was two. She was the last girl of three, of five, so she got all the hand-me-down clothes. And uh, she 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 left. She, she was from Italy originally, from my mother's side, the Italian. So she left from Italy, arrived in France. Uh, then that was rough because she didn't know the language. And then there was the war, and then she met my 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 grandfather. There was also Italian, but working in the coal mining. They obviously during the war they had to abandon their house, and and then uh, my 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 grandfather that I never knew died of silicosis, which apparently is the disease with the dust from the coal. So he mm. died like around 49, 50. 
she could have been again, like really like, ah, what life is not fair. Uh, and she never remarried focused. And yet, you know, when you bring like what she showed me when people are angry on that is like some people, some people preach and other preach by example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so, uh, and so she was, a. Uh, she was really amazing because once, you know, I when I was preparing my MBA, full-time MBA from 20 to 23 in Marseille, the south of France, at the business school, at the beginning I would used to go there because she would do great raviolis and great home sauce and she would and she would clean my laundry for the week because I was <laughs> living in a small uh, university dormitory who looked like a jail cell with uh, the, the, the 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 shower on the on the on the floor. And so I, I, there was like very selfishly interested. And then as I go there, and I was already always, even if she didn't admit it, I was kind of a favorite. Obviously, I was the the only son of my mother. I mean, I have a, a sister, but so obviously we were closer than other cousin and all that. But uh, we we I discovered more. I was already close to her, but discovered more. And so when I was coming. On the Saturday morning after Friday party, you know, all week on the campus. Then I realized the conversation was so great that I stopped going to the parties the second year. And I would leave Friday night the campus to have the whole weekend with her. And during the conversation, I remember, uh, you know, I don't consider myself fully mature right now. But one <laughs> thing I can guarantee you is at that time, I was totally immature. And so... Uh, I talked to her and there is a guy who's really like, hey, man, you know, that guy, you know, it's always like, it's uh, always have to make comments, you know, cracks and, and he's never going to positive and he always criticize and sometimes it's even mean, you know, it's like, I mean, I, nobody wants to be around him. It's like, what's his problem? Uh, and, and obviously being the immature that I was, I thought my grandmother would took my side. Oh yes, it's so unfair. What a bad guy, you know. And no, <laughs> she went like with the wisdom. Today we would call that emotional intelligence, but in 1985 they hadn't coined the term. And sure. and uh, beyond curious genius that is interviewing me today, maybe wasn't born yet. So uh, <laughs> so 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 the thing is that uh, she said to me, Eric, have compassion. And I'm like, what? Like what? The guy is in pain. Hello, did you hear what I said? <laughs> and and she's like, and instead of saying, "I find you a little arrogant," you know, don't talk to me like this. I wasn't like that aggressive, but she was like, she looked at me, smile, like almost like just a look and a smile. Suddenly, went like, I was like, okay, tell me more. <laughs> and I was like, have you ever noticed that when we carry babies, you know, you go and you know what it is soon. Uh, you you carry babies, and it's like the most beautiful creature in the world. This is the uh, this is a divine, supernatural creation. It's like you look, it's like wow. It's like, and so never in a million years you can suspect that that little baby have an ends of evil or, or meanness. You know, it's like the beautiful creature. Then obviously, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna go a, a two cents psychology uh, uh, still here, but obviously. We, we, we collect luggage, you know, as we grow, you know, uh, from a parent, from a friend, from environment, sometimes good, sometimes bad. So she said, you know, he was a baby at some point. He was good. And you know what? Today, you know, it's maybe 20 like you. 
And maybe it's like this is because he's not angry, he's not mean, he's sad, he's unhappy. It's this way to to send an SOS signal to say, I'm hurt. Can somebody listen? Can I feel heard? Can I feel seen? Can 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 somebody just listen to me? Can somebody l l lend a hand? You know, it's like, it's like really with that attitude, you think we're gonna do? And she said, Well, that's exactly why you know what? You gotta do it because everybody would stop at the appearance and you you gotta go to the heart of the matter. And so she's like, this guy certainly suffering and he doesn't know how to express it. So it's clumsily. It's sending an SOS or look like a bomb, but you know, it's throwing, you know, like when you're in a boat and you have those uh, flare, you know, well, that flare look like it's bomb that's going to burn you, but it's a flare. It's just to say SOS. <laughs> and mm. so she said, you gotta, you cannot go like, hey, you heard it in there. Tell me all about, but you know, you gotta, you say like, okay, yeah, I, I hear you. So, you know, go slow and ask him, how does it feel? You know, anything like, like to understand where it really comes from, because I can guarantee you there is no human being who's naturally mean. I mean, there may be some exception. I mean, but I'm sure, I'm sure that even the emperor Nero who burned the city, I certainly when he was a kid, he couldn't have been a psychopath, you know? So uh, I think that, uh, I think that she said, so, so it's like, each time somebody's mean with you, don't go like, on the victim side, oh, we know that's unfair. Yes, it sucks. Yes, you gotta acknowledge. But always think about maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about them. Maybe, maybe what, what have they gone through? Maybe they're like this because they've learned to be like this to defend themselves, to survive, to that. And I was like, she left school when she was 15. So, you know, I don't know what is in secondary school. She didn't know much. So, and it's not like she was a big academic thing. But man, he had such a high EQ, as we would say today, mm. uh, yeah. emotional quotient, you know, maybe a high Q, maybe like she, she wouldn't have been maybe passing the first tour on Jeopardy, you know, on any TV show. But I can tell you, TV show has nothing on her compared to the real live show, you know, talking to people, help them. And today I'm far from being perfect. And I'm certainly not at the level of compassion or wisdom she had. But I can say she was the first mentor who really had an impact on me about the importance of the human being and the importance of relationships. Like mm. you can possess a lot of things, but relationship is the gold. And she will always used to have a sentence. And I'll finish with that uh, because I could talk with, for my grandma for hours. <laughs> and and, and uh, actually, you know, it's a funny thing, you know. There is some people who say, oh, I lost touch and they're still alive. Oh, how did I lose touch? Or there is some people that die and, oh, we haven't talked about it. My grandmother is one of the very few persons that more than 20 years after her death, there is not a one single week where I don't talk about her. And I don't even plan it. It just comes in a conversation because a situation, conversation reminds her of me. And I remember she has sentences like one hand, wash it the other but the two together wash the face talking about cooperation or she was saying uh, she was a, a great a great sentence she was always because she knew i was a little bit competitive business cool ambitious so she was always saying share the wealth spread the love mm, love that well who would have thought 
shout out to your grandma. We're talking about her wisdom today grandma, on the pod. My grandma, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, shout out to Gabrielle. Appreciate you, Gabrielle, from wherever you're maybe listening to this spiritually. I don't know, but appreciate you and your wisdom that you contributed to Eric. And I love that for so many reasons because. I think it's so easy to get caught up in our own frame of reference without understanding that everybody has their own frame. And that very simple reminder is so profound from getting cut off in traffic to something that someone says, you always have the opportunity to ask yourself, one, why is this triggering me as an excuse to grow, but then also being compassionate and understanding that everybody's going through their own stuff. I just think that it's a very simple reminder, but the, our reality is literally the filters that we use. So if we just kind of have that intention of what Gabrielle shared with you of just understanding that taking a second to look through somebody else's perspective, it can be incredibly powerful. And I want to, I want to expand on some of the things that you said earlier. And it is really cool that your grandma was your first ever mentor because you have been mentored by some incredible people um, outside of your grandmother, as you've grown in your, your business career as well. And I know that it didn't always start by you getting mentored by super high level people. And obviously we can kind of touch on some of those things. But another thing that came up during our conversation was how you actually got your whole start of going on this journey of learning about self-development and self-improvement. And it came from a, a really interesting place. So I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about your first real job mowing lawns <laughs> and, and what someone shared with you that kind of set you on this journey. So uh, so the, 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 the idea was for me, I know I'm 18 and really I have no added value for any company. So it's like, can I find a job that can make some money this summer? So I don't want to have to ask my mother because at 18, it's kind of embarrassing to us for an allowance, you know? So, uh, so I was like, uh, finally through connection, I got a, uh, a, a job, uh, not my most prestigious job, but summer job, like we all had was at the uh, soccer stadium of Toulouse, which is the fourth largest city in France, like a million uh, habitants in the Southwest, very well known in the world for housing the headquarters of Airbus, the big competitor of Boeing, so big aerospace company, big aerospace city, and also one of the top rugby cities. Uh, uh, and uh, and so I'm a, I'm a big fan of soccer. So I was at the Toulouse Football Club Stadium, and my job was simple. I had to show up at 5.30 in the morning, and we would finish at 1.30 p.m. And I had mostly three jobs. Mow the lawn for the next game uh, and redo the lines. Redo <laughs> the lines, you know, it's important, you know. Then uh, uh, clean the stands. And I can tell you, that's where I discover even in VIP stands, people are not clean. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and third one, sometimes go on the roof to do move certain things or that. So this was a very, you can imagine, physically driven, you know, manual labor. You know, this is not the mastermind environment, you know, when you're like, hey, tell me about the, what do you think is better, be or do? No, it was like, hey, you got to move this here. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, and it was a very unionized uh, environment. And it was the kind of thing that where, you know, like we start at 5.30 and then there is a break around 9.30 or 10. And they would, uh, you know, 10, I would say, hey, let's have a juice, a croissant. And they would have like some beans and Toulouse sausage and a, a little glass of cheap red wine. You know, it's like, hey, young guy. And then because those people were like twice, some, sometime almost three times my age. And so I was team up with a, a, a guy who had some experience. You know, he was like, 
it looked old, you know. It was like maybe 38 at that time. It looked old, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so I'm team up with him. So he showed me the ropes a little bit. And obviously, you know, there is poses, you know, breaks, like union breaks. So I'm like, uh, we, we're moving the stairs and I'm going, you know, and say, well, what, what are you doing? It's, it's time for the break now. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's a break. Yeah, yeah, it's a break. Like, don't work during the break, otherwise they're going to remove it. I say, okay, so let's do the break. So so I'm at the break, and suddenly the guy out of nowhere, out of nowhere, is is like to me, you know, I, I'm thinking he's going to talk to me about the latest soccer statistics or uh, that the bus is really bad or the weather. And no, it's like he said, uh, have you ever heard about uh, Dal Carnegie? And I'm like, you know what? Until 18, I hate it. No, I, 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 you should see my night table. I read like a maniac, but uh, I don't know if maniac read, but I read a lot. So, uh, <laughs> so, so the thing is that uh, he tells me, do you know Del Carnegie? And I said, hey, man, if there is no picture in the book, I'm not interested. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, he said, well, it's really good. It's about, it's about connecting with others. It's about developing your persona and say like, oh man, you're losing me here. I said like, no, 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 no. I promise you it's it, it's great. And I'm like, you know, it's like weird. You know, sometimes you feel like you're in the candid camera, you know, it's like, is it like a, a trick? Like, why is he asking me those questions? So I was like, he's asking me all those. Nowadays in 2023, we talk about personal development, but at that time it was just like, this is the book. And then I said, no, I haven't heard. He said, have you heard about Hog Mendino? I say, hey, man, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a, a Thai recipe or is it the name of a guy? Who... <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so, so I'm like, I don't know. And, and it, it kind of like this, W. Clemenson, nope. Jim Rohn, nope. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, they say, well, that's a, that's a great day for you. And I say, what? It's because it's a clean slate. You, I encourage you to read those books because they're going to help you really develop uh, more of your persona, more of a of of knowing yourself and knowing others and connecting with others and 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 really growing. The be before you do and have and you know and I'm like yeah yeah whatever and so the next day he comes back with a book, mm. back with their Carnegie you know how to make friends and influence people but in French you know <laughs> because <laughs> imagine at that time I was not that great in English you know. And so they said, promise me you'll read it. And then I said, okay. And what happened is that uh, I said, yeah, yeah. You say, you know what? I know what you're going to do. Tomorrow, because we work from Monday to Friday. Tomorrow, when we have a break, you would have read one chapter. And you're going to summarize it for me. So I know that you read it. And so I'm like, what the guy, man, can you leave me a break? Like we can mow the lawn and that's good. Then I leave, I get my money. And it, and I don't know why. The guy has no agenda. He didn't try to recruit me for a Amway, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, network. He didn't, uh, you know, because Amway is very strong on personal development, you know. And uh, I've learned because later on in my life, when I had the entrepreneurial vibe, like uh, a lot of people, I went into network marketing, didn't work for me. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. It means it didn't work for me. So, so I was like, the guy has no agenda and he's pouring in me and he's pouring and he's pouring and he's pouring. And I'm like, it took, it, it was eight weeks. Okay. First week, nothing. But after second week for seven weeks, 
okay, we finished that book. I brought you that other book. I wrote, and then he left me when on the day I left, he left me, you know, with a book. He said, I won't have time because you finish your, your summer, but this is a gift for you. You can keep that one, you know? And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, uh, and I think it was a, a, a book from Paolo Coelho, you know? And so, uh, mm. and so give it to me. I, I don't know if he was the alchemist or another one, but you know, he, he, because I read so many and uh, of him. And so he left. And from that moment on, from that moment on, it's almost like if I had been, uh, you know, have the, uh, the, 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 how would you call that? The, the radioactive book? spider from Spider-Man turned yeah, into yeah, yeah. I get the, <laughs> I, I, I get bite from the, 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 the book bite, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so, and then I was like, is there other authors who write like this, you know? Mm. Is there any topics, you know? And, and so I started, started, and I can tell you from today, from when I was 18 up to today, which I'm, uh, last month I turned 57. I know, I know, I don't do 57. I got a lottery gene. What can I say? And also, <laughs> the thing is that, uh, the thing is that uh, the, uh, so it's like 39 years. And I would say, uh, I read, I know, nothing to be impressed because it's not a lot, but I, I may read maybe, depending on how much traveling I'm doing, but uh, I may read like two books a month. I know that people read a, a book a week, a book a day, but you know, so I mean, I take a break from the holidays. I was calculating last time. I mean, I've read over 500 books and I rarely read, uh, uh, I read, I really read fiction. I read a couple of them, but I have to say, yeah, I may be boring, but I'm reading mostly nonfiction. And, uh, and so, and most of them have been business books and most of them have been about personal development, connection, NLP, uh, how to start a business, you know, all that. So, so it's really like, I have 500 books. I had a, a whole library and maybe more because I, I, I may have read more books, but at least minimum that. So, so it was really the trigger. And all the time I said, why? I was in an environment which is unionized, which is labor intensive. It's not a mastermind environment. And yet, yet, uh, I, uh, I'll had the, uh, the, 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 the great fortune to be like eight weeks or seven weeks mastermind every day. Yeah. And I was paid for it. Not much, but it was paid for it. But so for me, it's like sometimes I, I, and I don't want to sound like people would say all religious, but I thought that sometimes there is some godly appointments and it's almost look like when the student is ready, the teacher would show up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess. I was not ready, but somebody maybe have given me credit. So like, hey, it could be ready. But uh, I mean, still as of today, I don't remember his name, but I remember exactly space. I remember exactly where we were sitting. I exactly remember most of the books, but I don't remember his name. But man, I am so grateful to that man. And the whole thing that he will never know it. Mm, yeah, that's so because cool. Because I say thank it, it you just... very much. I say thank you very much. But I guess he was... 39, you know, so he may be dead by now and, and he don't know what I've done. So I say, thank you so much. At the end, I said, so great. The books, I mean, I didn't think when I came in, I was mowing the lawn. I was going to go back with some kind of a, 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 a diploma in personal development, but, uh, man, and that's why it's amazing is that never underestimate 
the influence you have or the impact you have on people because that guy is not the only one. But that guy is certainly the one who was the one who launched me into willing to invest in myself, which is often apparently the best investment. Uh, apparently, that's what I heard. Uh, I mean, except if you were uh, investing in Apple before it became Apple. But yet, I think investing in yourself, it's great. And he, he, he really did that. So this guy has no clue about the impact he had, but he certainly had a major impact on my trajectory. I love that. And I, I know this is kind of for, I mean, I, I always conclude my podcast episodes by saying you never know the impact that you'll have on people. Like if you share this episode, but it's so true. Cause you really don't know that invisible influence you had. Like I guarantee you listening to this right now, it's just the way human nature works. Like you've, you've made a dramatic impact on someone's life and they may not even remember your name. They may not remember your face. Maybe it was a smile. Maybe it was something you shared, but it's one of those things where it's like the butterfly effect. You can't un, you, you know, one butterfly flap could change something so far away. And and so I love that that guy just showed up and completely transformed everything because I know you have been on one heck of a personal development journey. And it's really cool because I know you went from like passively learning from these books to like literally hunting down and chasing and learning directly <laughs> from it. I don't just ballpark. And then we, we can, I have another question, but just ballpark. How much would you guess that you've invested in yourself in masterminds in attending other stuff if you had to guess? <laughs> well, the, 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 Big, the big mastermind, uh, really uh, a period of my life. Because, you know, uh, there is a lady which always impressed me. She was in Franklin, Tennessee. Her name is Robin Robbins. She's like a, a, yeah. a, a gold child of Dan Kennedy, which is a marketing legend. And she's always like, she's doing marketing for the IT people. And she said something to me once. Uh, and certainly she was not the original one to say that. But she said something to me once. You get a pay to play hmm. because we're talking about, you know, some masterminds are expensive. You know, I don't know if I can afford them. And the question is that, can you afford not to develop your full potential? So at hmm. some point you're going to find a way to make it happen, but there is no free pass. I mean, yep. uh, so already the fact that you may talk to someone and you don't know about the existence of this mastermind is great. So to answer your question, because I don't want to, I don't want you to think I don't want to answer. So I would say that there was some, some some investment I made, but really late in my life, between 2013 and 2018, those five years, that's where I started to make really great money and I had to reinvest it. Otherwise, the equivalent of the IRS was going to take it. So, uh, and, and those five years, like you say, I went hunting down. I went, uh, I started with Darren Hardy with his, uh, Entry level uh, high performance forum. Then I did I, I, high performance. Uh, uh, it was high performance summit, high performance forum. Then I was at high, per, uh, high performance elite, which was just twice he did it for two years with only 25%. And you had to have gone to his group of a uh, high performance forum after doing high performance summit. And it was a bunch of 25. After COVID, you know, it was like bunch of hundreds virtually, but until then it was 25 selected and you had to pay 10,000 and then you get the, uh, you get the, uh, 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 the, uh, elite and he has select out of, I was high performance five and he did maybe 40. And so would select people to go there. So you couldn't have just pay. And it was like maybe 25 per year for two years. So if I calculate that, what I invested with, uh, Roger Law for three years, because during that time, I was doing five masterminds at the same time every year. 
I was doing Genius Network. The uh, I was doing uh, Roger Love, the master presenter. I was doing a high performance elite. I was doing a, a GKIC. I was doing also, I was uh, doing a Michael Burner uh, superhuman uh, communication and circle of influence. I did a little bit of uh, Mel Abram business breakthrough academy. So I did some Brendan Bouchard uh, mastermind. Uh, so, you know, I had, I had, so I would say that if I'm not mistaken, if I calculate, and, and sometimes I'm afraid to say that because people may say, why you spend all that and you just that successful? Well, shame on you. So sometimes I hesitate to say the amount also because maybe some people may call me and say, hey, can you lend me some money? But uh, the, the thing is that I think that if I'm not mistaken, I would say, I would say easily, uh, I would say easily uh, some years more than others, but I will say, Easily uh, between in those five years between six and seven hundred thousand US. That's it's amazing how that one ripple from that one guy set you on this journey, and you clearly have you heard that one thing from that one person and just decided to go all in on yourself and invest in yourself, which is amazing. And I want I want to tie this back to something that you said because you clearly invest in yourself and you also invest in people. And one of the things that you had shared a while ago to me that it just kind of stuck with me is you, you kind of had made some comments about how investors talk about the playing the long game with your money. But if relationships are the greatest assets, why wouldn't you do the same with your relationships? And I think that that's kind of been part of the key in how you develop these relationships is you just show up and you're a long-term player and you know that you're not just doing this as a transactional, but rather a transformational perspective. And now you have you know, these relationships with these people that you invested in are becoming people that are referring clients to you and that kind of stuff. So I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about your philosophy about how okay. you choose to play the long game in your relationships. One, it's true, you know, I, I forgot to mention one of the mastermind titans, mastermind for Brian Kurtz. And what I really enjoy is that I learn things, but I go around people like Brian Kurtz who reinforce, who always say, Eric, play the long game. Eric, uh, you know, uh, start with the helping hand. Eric, see how you can contribute. You know, and, and so so investing in me and also choosing the people that not gonna uh, say, yeah, you're great, you're good. No, people who challenge you, but challenging challenging you in a way that build you uh, when they're challenging you. So they tell you things. So for me, it was like always like, almost like a second nature. It was like, it's ingrained in me. It's ingrained in me. That doesn't mean that... Uh, I mean, uh, I, I work for free, but you know, one thing for sure is that I always enter in a, I, I, I think that it's, it's almost, you cannot fake it. You know, like, you know, there was a Rick Warren who says you can give what's saying like you can give without loving, but you cannot love, uh, uh, you cannot love and, and give, you know, it was like, you cannot do, so it's almost like maybe I, I'm screwing up the, 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 the quote, but it's like saying that you cannot fake it. You can play, you know, you can say, yes, you know, grateful, you know, you get a big, you know, you hear that often. Do you have a gratitude journal? Do you have this, that? So, you know, some things are trendy. And for me, it was never about the trend. It was about the life value, life principle. So for me, it's like, I cannot even fake it. So that's why when sometimes you, 
you with with your genius, you extract my genius. Sometimes it's so intuitive that sometimes I'm difficult to explain it because it comes naturally. But it's true that from the beginning, when I enter a relationship, it's more like, uh, well, first I'm French. Don't hold it against me. So uh, uh, we are very opinionated. So sometimes it's like, it's even like, uh, first it's like, well, how can I make that person, you know, uh, if if we don't have the same language, whether it's the language or same language in terms of thinking, how can I do to have a bridge to uh, 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 talk together, you know, uh, and understand? Because we may not see from the same eye, we may not appreciate each other, but that doesn't mean that because we're not coming best buddies, that we cannot enrich ourselves. So I was coming from the front as like, Anna, ah, no, yeah, I don't like you, you know? It's like, well, I don't like your style, or that, but maybe I can learn something from you. Maybe you can learn something from me. So what is the common bridge we can still make? That that was one. But that was also for the people like I like from the beginning, like you, you know, you cannot help it. You know, you didn't do anything. You don't have no merit. I just saw you. You showed up and I said, man, I like that guy, the way he showed up, the way he speak, his vibe. So there is some people then you like, Suddenly, for me, it's like, this guy is great. I get to talk to him more often because, A, when I talk to him more often, it gives me great energy. And when it gives me great energy, I can give back great energy. But not only that, we stimulate each other. So it's great. But not only that, uh, at some point, it's like, this is so great. What can I do to help that person succeed personally, professionally? So for me, it was always like, when I meet a person... I never, and you know, like in the in the cartoon, you see there is dollars sign in the eyes, you know. Like uh, <laughs> I, I, I never, you know, in those uh, famous tech savvy cartoon, you know, fabulous. Uh, and uh, so the, uh, the 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 thing is that I never sit like this. And people sometimes they say, "I'm a salesman. I'm an entrepreneur. I won't pretend, you know, I'm a neuroscientist. I'm originally, you know, I'm a." My, my, I'm a salesman, you know, by trade at the beginning. So some people who don't know me, they say, oh yeah, that's a com commercial maneuver. And no, I'm like, uh, people who know me in the long run, they'll know that I just like to connect with people and sometimes learn from them, share from them, but also how can I help them? So for me, each time I have a relationship, it's like a seed that I plant and how can I make that seed grow to the beautiful yeah. plant? Is it? Well, let me jump in here too, because I just, in knowing you over these past few years, this is something that I just noticed. I'm like, man, if Eric does this with me, and I know he does this for all of his relationships, but it was just funny because I know we're having this conversation. So I scrolled back through our texting conversations. <laughs> I, I'm terrible at deleting messages. So I went back a while ago and I pulled up some texts and this is, I'll, I'll, I'll read a few of them if that's okay with you, Eric. But I just think that this is, don't underestimate the importance of this because because this is the way that you show up you always play the long game and and people want to know that you're it is let me let me back up it is so valuable when you think of someone instead of just thinking about them to actually send them a message about it and like it just expands so much so i would encourage anyone to go check out my episode with blake fly if you want to hear another human that does this really well but here's a text i got from eric on june 6th of this year and it says bonjour brandon it seems like we have not been talking for a while and i know how easy it 
uh, to let a good relationship go adrift. I understand you're enjoying a romantic travel experience with your wife, possibly in Florence right now. <laughs> Let's hop on a call sometime soon. Enjoy the good pizza, gelato, and, and sites. Arrivederci. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you paid attention. Maybe you saw me post something on social media, but you were thinking about me and you reached out to me. And I, it's just like, I know that that's the way you show up in all your relationships. And like you said, it's like a seed that you're planting. And so I think it's just a huge takeaway and a testament to that concept that I shared in the beginning uh, about what I learned from you is like all these relationships that we have, if you choose the perspective of playing the long game and treating relationships like they're growing assets and continuing to plant the seed and telling people you're thinking about them. I think if I were to kind of unpack part of your genius, that's just you, you show up, I get a text from you every 4th of July, every Thanksgiving. <laughs> and it's like, not even just on the Hallmark holidays, but I just think it's really cool that you constantly do that over and over again which I, I kind of want to expanded a little bit more on this topic as well, because I know uh, one of the initial places that I came across you and your work was when you were in Genius Network and you gave an amazing 10 minute talk. And, and the concept of your talk was how to apply. Well, first of all, I love the way that you, you framed it because the, the frame of the talk was how to make competition irrelevant, which to the Genius Network crowd, that's like, okay, that's great. Let's talk about this. But really it was kind of disguised. It was a disguised message because what you really talked about in that 10 minute talk was how to apply the five love languages to business. And I think that this whole comment that I've been talking about, about you texting me and, and, and messaging is kind of you actually applying that. So I know I've been kind of talking for a while, but I know part of your genius, Eric, is just because you show up all the time, you people really know that you care. And it's not like there's some strategy behind it, but it has tangible benefits in the way that it's actually impacted your life and the way that you show up in your businesses as well, because you don't lose clients that often because people just love the relationship that you built with them. So um, I know we probably don't have time to go through all the five love languages for anyone that hasn't you know, understood this concept or read the book themselves. But I would love for you to maybe talk about this component of how you have been able to wow your clients, make competition irrelevant by applying the five love languages to business. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, you're right. And uh, obviously, if you put a, a, a 10 minute talk, uh, how to apply the five, room, five love languages in business, it wouldn't have the same impact as how to make your competition irrelevant. So as right. a marketer, <laughs> we have to make sure we have titles that, you know, attract people and then they're like even more wow because they're like, oh, it's even better than I thought. And I make a quick parenthesis. I was listening to the 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 text I sent you and I was like, man, this guy is good because honestly it was like, it flows so well, so nice. It looked like flowing. <laughs> I was like even impressed. Like, did I write something like this? Wow. You did write and that. <laughs> so, so I guess the Holy Spirit must have inspired me. But uh, definitely when it, you know, it says a, uh, when it comes from the heart, sometimes it's it's come more naturally. And I can tell you, uh, my wife could attest to that. Sometimes what comes from my mind sometimes could be sarcasm and it's not good. So I try to, uh, I, I'm, I'm far from being perfect. And you know what? It's funny. You're never a prophet to, on your own country. So it's funny because maybe everything that people hear in the podcast, the people at home and say, oh, it's good. Sometimes we wish it would be like this also at home, you know? So uh, not that I'm a bad person, but it's true that uh, <laughs> we are we are we tend to uh, we tend to uh, and I say that to link with the five love languages. You see, my 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 wife and I have a, a common one, which is a time uh, of quality because you know you have five love languages. You know you have the touch, you have the uh, the uh, um, the word of appreciation, the act of service, the gifts, and the last one. 
uh i forget Gifts, but... words of appreciation quality time physical touch acts of service those are i think yeah. you mentioned all of them or maybe yeah. maybe but yeah no, it's possible so so the thing is that i don't know if it's because i'm french but people tend to especially men they tend to compartmentalize personal life and business life and i always tell them you know what even if it's more romantic with your wife than with your client and prospect it's still the same process you saw your wife the first time something attracts you into her you wanted to convince her to to among all the prospect that she had yeah you're the one so you go for coffee i say you see you see people in business and they have many suppliers but you would like to be chosen well don't ask them to marry you right away go for a coffee like with your wife you didn't ask her to marry otherwise she would run away and so i say one thing is important is that People never expect or call when we have something to offer. And sometimes in the middle of something, a crisis, a big project, they don't want to be bothered. So if you show up and you're like, hey, uh, I'd like you to show my latest gizmo because you could buy it. People's like, like, I already have 10 on the shelf. Thank you, bye. But if you go like, uh, you made research, you know, like Sherlock Holmes, you know, you, you dig, you know, like you do that very well, you dig. What do they, you even call the personal assistant, you know, whatever you, you dig, what do they like? What do they don't like? What make them tick? Keep the night. What is their passion? Are they stamp collectors? They, you know, you, you learn, you really learn. You, you got to make your homework. It's, it's, it's important. It's like, you know, it's really like you cannot just show up. It's like, knock, knock, knock. I think I'm good. I think you're good. We should be good together. Let's buy from me. No, it's like uh, really like, Get and learn. And once you learn, it's like, uh, like, like for instance, I can tell you, in the act of services, I have a lot of clients that I remember, especially one. It was, uh, it was a big travel agency, big, big, several, several tens of millions. And they, they had a, um, a, big, uh, a, a big questioning about where they were located. And that geographic location was not good to attract that kind of young crowd of a programmer because they want to be downtown and all that. And, and then they had other kind of human resources things related. And, and, and I'm talking to that person. We meet a, at an event, business event, and I talk to him and I say, oh, wow, they have great business. Oh, man, I certainly could help them. And uh, and I started to, to them, oh, what you do, this and so. And so because we hit it up well, I, I, I mean, we talk more about those things and he told me, hey, you know, where for the millennials, you know, it's difficult because we're in the suburbs and they like to have the cappuccino and this and that. And so there are different things. And so the first thing I did is that the week after I came back uh, to them and I called and I said, and I said, email, I said well, it was great meeting you. We had a great conversation. I think I could help you with this. Would you have time? And so I had nothing to do with my payment processing business. It has to do with the human resource business. And so the guy was like, oh, you also have a human resource business? And I'm like, no, but I know someone who can help you and I have no financial involvement. So could I, could I connect with you? So I said, well, let, let's, let's have a call first. So I called the person. I said, well, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you, you talk about this problem for recruitment, uh, uh, young talent recruitment to talk about this for uh, transition and if 
I'm not an expert in human resource, but I love the field of human resource. And I think that this person is an expert and definitely could help you. So here's the coordinate you can have. So that was act of services, meaning like I'm helping you with something who's absolutely not related with my business. It's mm -hmm. what's the benefit for you before they can be a benefit for me. The other mm -hmm. thing was I know a client who was in the U.S., and they love the gifts. And I knew they love hockey. And I knew they had a, a big passion for Patrick Roy, who was the big goalkeeper for Montreal Canadian when they used to win Stanley Cups. That means 30 <laughs> years ago. And also, uh, so the thing is that I brought him in a jersey of Patrick Roy, signed by Patrick Roy, uh, put in the frame. I brought the old forum where the Montreal Canadian used to play. I, I brought, I found a brick, original brick from the old forum, and I made him sign. I don't remember by who, and I put it in the dome, you know, because presentation matters too. And so it's not just the research, because you know, I can give you a gift card at Amazon. Oh, great, a gift, or so what? But yet, do you know that the thoughts you put in the gift? Yeah. Because it has to be symbolic. Person has to be like, oh, thank you for thinking of me. No, wow. Wow, this is, and so, and the fact that the waste package, so I brought that with me and, and we were already doing business. So in this case, it was just to, as a sign of appreciation. And, and I knew he liked this. And so I made those gifts and suddenly the person like, it has nothing to do with the interchange basis points, with the statement, with the integration, or with the, uh, with the, the API, nothing to do with a business. It was just one human showing appreciation to another human. Mm -hmm by using his love language, which was gift, and giving him meaningful, meaningful gift, not just gift. And you should see that the client was beaming more than if I had told them, I'm reducing your rate by 10 basis points. And so yeah. these kind of things, people don't think about it. They just think like, and sometimes it happens the same thing in a marriage. It's like, I got married. She said, yes, nobody else can have her. I have exclusive rights. So the same thing with the, the client. Well, I have the client. We grow together, 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 30 million. But no, I take it for granted. So it's like, you know, when you, when you know, sometimes you hear, oh, you don't bring me flowers anymore. Or you don't say you love me anymore. Well, it's the same thing with your client. When is the last time you pick up the phone? Just not to say, when is the next order? Or uh, can we show you a new 3.0? No. Hi. You know what? Uh, 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 I heard that uh, you, your daughter was at the championship for gymnastic. Uh, how did it go? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, by the way, uh, tomorrow it's your wife's uh, birthday. Don't forget it. And, <laughs> so, uh, you know, things like this, just like this. Or you call like, I just want to call today because I just realized you're one of the biggest clients. And... Uh, you have a big impact on my lifestyle and uh, I wanted to be grateful to you. So thank you. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for your support. Uh, and say, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I just wanted to say thank you. And so people are like, oh, because people is like, what did he call me for? You know, yeah, yeah. We should meet together. Say that 3.0 should show you. Yeah, uh, next order. No, it's like, you know, it's like really like the same thing you should do with your wife. The same yeah. thing you, you know you do is they all, all specialists say date night and, and little words. Well, do that with your, your clients too, you know, uh, and, and the word of appreciation. So, so, so it's, so it's a good thing. And you know what? 
it's sometimes easier to do it with your client sometimes because there is not that emotional attachment. But at some point, some person told me one day, you know what, Eric, you have less than 1% attrition uh, of your clients. And, and I didn't invent, the person called me, her name is Jules, and you know her. And she told me, you know what, when I look at your clients, it looks like you never had a client, you only have friends. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it's so important, especially, you know, you and I were just talking a little bit about AI prior to starting this conversation. And I think this stuff is like literally the most important conversation you can be having because very soon it is going to be so difficult to tell what's real. Anything that you see online could be fabricated. It can be made up. There'll be deep fakes, but like what you can't fake is like a hug to someone. And like what you're talking about is like the equivalent of hugs, right? Like that you're paying attention, that you actually care about those people. And so I think it's really important to kind of have that lens on of building real relationships. And I think that people are getting really scared about all this AI stuff or lots of people are, but if you take the perspective, like actually this is forcing us to go back to building real relationships because the only thing that we're going to be able to trust is those real things. So I love that so much. And and, and I think- Just let me go, sorry to interrupt you, but let me go one step further. I I love technology. I embrace technology. Sometimes it intimidates me. And for me, the AI conversation, I don't know if that's where you were leading with your next question and I cut you, but uh, uh, I feel that AI going to remove a lot of non-added value work, you know, the chat GPTs or this work. Obviously, it's like if you look at the movie Fantasia of Walt Disney, where Mickey is having those water buckets and suddenly he, he lost control because he, he played God or, or, or he tried to to, 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 to be a bigger magician and, and it talks over and so suddenly there is the flood, it's not just the little bucket with the brooms works. And for me, AI, obviously, you gotta be careful because there is ethical uh, challenges, ethical debate, uh, you know, moral uh, uh, questions. Like it's true that, you know what, some people can play God, can use that for bad, but you know, technology can really ease our life, can uh, help us do better. And so for me, it's always like high tech and high touch. It's never high tech or high touch. It's like really like, let's have the technology who can help, but at the same time, never forget that we never B2B or B2C, we edge to edge, we human to human. I do business with you, so no AI gonna take the phone and say, how's your daughter's result at the gymnastic championship? Yeah, 100%, 100%. You know, I love that. And and again, when I, when I was thinking about the conversation, it's like, man, I really want to make sure we talk about and unpack Eric's genius in relationship building. But there is another side of your genius that you kind of started alluding to that we haven't even scratched the surface on. And and that is the merchant accounts. And so now I know I, I've heard you called the Michael Jordan of merchant accounts. And when I was watching your 10 minute talk, when, when Joe did the introduction for you, and that was five years ago, when I saw the talk, he, he had mentioned in the intro, have you have done over 5 billion or $1 billion in credit card processing for clients. So it's like you process a lot. And this is a, a field that you are one of the good guys in a world where there's lots of crazy people out there. And so I know there's lots of entrepreneurs listening to this right now. And I I have heard so many horror stories of 
merchant account. So I know some of you that might be listening to this right now, it's like, what are we even, what is a merchant account? Like what is, why is Brandon think this is relevant? But I think this is super important to consider because you've heard some, I've just heard this destroy so many businesses when, when a merchant account just goes sideways. So I thought we'd have like a high level conversation about this because I think it's really important. And I thought a great place to start would actually be to share a story. So um, you and I have a mutual friend, Kevin Thompson, and uh, you had worked with him and he had talked about having a, he actually made a Facebook post about this, about December, 2020. He had a absolute horror story with his merchant account. So before we kind of get into any of the technical stuff, I would love to you to maybe share what happened to Kevin and uh, how this may or may not be a, a frequently occurring thing that happens in this world. And, and, and Kevin's story, it's even the worst of worst. Uh, and you will, uh, you will know why, uh, uh, because some people, they had it coming because they didn't take the necessary precaution, but Kevin was dealing with a real merchant account provider, not like an aggregator. And he was doing everything that needed to be done to comply. And yet it was shut down. And I have to say, you're right, for people, you know, sometimes we assume people know, you know, in the good old time, people had honor, they would pay by check and the check wouldn't bounce, or they would pay cash, or they would borrow. Nowadays, digital. People right. plastic, people pay credit card. And nowadays, your market has become global. Before, you would sell around you. Now, you can have clients in Australia. You have clients in Montreal. You have clients in Atlanta. So sometimes you need to set up a merchant account, which is just a platform to when the client is ready to buy from you because you show them in a value while somebody has to have a process where you take the payments with the credit card and you can collect the money and they can have the goods. And so this, a lot of people, it's a not sexy thing and it's not sexy, but it's essential. People like to talk about marketing campaign, about funnels, about the integration with the CRM. But you know what? You gotta make sure that if it's not you on your team, somebody is aware of risk mitigation because credit card business is just about risk mitigation. Meaning like, you know, uh, the credit card thing, can I uh, get you that account because you know, are you future delivery or, or client present? All those data. So it's important to not be a, an expert but like Kevin said, do you have somebody to talk to? And excuse my French, you know, I don't want to be vulgar, but when the the processing shit hit the transaction fan, right. <laughs> do you have somebody to help you? Or do you have to talk with a chatbot who give you three options that none are relevant to you? <laughs> right. Do you, so first thing is that, do you know who is your merchant account provider and is there somebody in the house there that you can call so they know you they care about you is they going to help you so first thing is important kevin he was doing everything perfect that great account they they come just before christmas great timing yeah just before christmas when you're about to relax while well, they stress him to the max they say well you know the mcc code you know which is the industry code uh we change it no your business is more in like in the coaching and coaching is a restricted uh, uh, um, category. So uh, we'll give you 30 days to find a new home. We're going we're gonna to shut down your account. It's like just before Christmas, just before. 
finishing your Christmas shopping, preparing for the holidays. You're like, what? I mean, how does people pay me every month on the recurring? And I'm like, eh, what? And it happened that I was part of the uh, 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 mastermind tribe for leader that you were part of, uh, and that uh, Kevin and his partner Joel had started. And so it was the Henrik, you in that? Can you help me? And I say, what happened? And he tell his story, and I'm like horrified. I say, it's not even like uh, like you started with Stripe and you're too big and no, they shut you down. No, it's like you have the perfect track record that just arbitrarily change, and then they decide, no, it's not good. So what we did is that we 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 set him up in two weeks, uh, really during the holidays. Uh, I have to give a lot of credit to my partner Chris, which is the guy who makes me look good because he's the the master and the writer behind all the things. And uh, and so we really assess his situation. Okay, in what category are you? Uh, uh, what uh, what? How is the customer journey? How would you like to process? Not how we're gonna make you process. Now, how would would be the best way to do it? Okay, let's find a bank who has appetite for the client you are, because it's important to have a bank on the right. And my my partner uh, Chris has a relationship with different banks depending on the type of of thing. So we were not like shame on you. Too bad. It was like we want to help you. I'm an entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. We know that entrepreneurs are the ones who are going to save the day because they're the only create value. So let's find a way to help you. And it was amazing because to this day, to this day, uh, Kevin tell me, this is crazy. I mean, each time I think about it, because not only we help him navigate through that crisis, we help him set him up and not making like, oh, you risk, or you're not that. No, no, we know who you are. Let's find something that really is a, is really like appropriate for you. And we did that. And then not only we did that, we monitor the situation and we say, you know what, now we have an idea of your transactional profile. Maybe we should modify the pricing, not to make more money, but to save you more because uh, there is interchange here. And then after six months, we say you have clean credit. You never know what happened. Martian may kidnap the owner of that bank we're dealing with and may go crazy. So why don't we open a second merchant account? And so we opened a second. We we told him that. He was like, yeah, hey, I'm good with you. No, no, you're never good enough. Let's open a second merchant account. So this one will be for that. And this one will be for event. And so we're going to set you up. And then we're going to leverage that to have better rates for the second. And so we continue to do that. And, and not just say, you know, like they say in Wall Street, set it and forget it. Now it was like, no, we're going to be there each time. So now you can focus on what you like doing. And what seems something like not sexy, not attractive, but so essential for your livelihood, well, no, you don't even have to worry about it because you have a success partner, you have a profit ally on your team who's going to check, who's going to check things, going to check and going to make sure that you're always good. So much so that sometime Kevin was surprised on a Sunday because, you know, sometimes Sunday night, you know, entrepreneur looks things, you know, before Monday start. He looked and he was seeing some charges and, and he called, you know, we have a toll free number and he called and there was no recording. There was no, there was somebody answering and says like, uh, oh, who is that? And uh, he said, it's Chris. Oh, Chris, you mean the partner? Of, I didn't know you would do toll free. He said, no, we don't do toll free as we're not 24 seven. We're almost 24 seven. But you know what? I'm on the West Coast and I, 
it, it really happens, but uh, between like uh, eight at night and midnight, uh, you know, Eastern Standard Time, and and Kevin was on West Coast too. I sometimes transfer the toll free to my cell phone. And who would do that? You know, when is the last time you call Wells Fargo and the CEO of Wells Fargo answer you? So you know, <laughs> it's like uh, so. So it's like Chris answered and answer my question right away. So it's like really like when I was talking about high tech and high touch, it's not only we understand the needs of the merchant and we serve them, we don't force it uh, or, or solution. We understand and customize. We're making sure that they have competitive things, but we also accompany them. So, you know, it's like they grow and, and they don't outgrow the, the, the payment solution outfit, but it helps them grow so they can scale, you know? But anyway, maybe I answer four questions in one here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I know you had mentioned Kevin made a Facebook post, which by the way, if anybody wants to go check out the episode with Kevin, he was back on episode 20. He's another amazing relationship-based human. But I was just reading that post because I know that you kind of like pulled him out of this crazy situation. And you had mentioned a lot of this, but I had just highlighted a bunch of things that Kevin was dealing with. Like they held... He, this is the exact amount Kevin put inside of the, his post, $43,795. They were holding that and not releasing it to him and just kind of saying, sorry, you know, we're, we're, we're holding this. And the fact that like you had mentioned, they just changed this out of the blue when he had a perfect track record. And it's just like, it's just crazy that that all happened. And so my takeaway from this is a few things that you had said, one, making sure that you understand who you're, uh, merchant account is with and that you are able to have a relationship or be able to call them. But two, making sure that you have multiple merchant accounts as well in the event that something does happen where you're not having your money held or you're not able to process uh, you know, transactions. Just because imagine if you have a high cash flow business and all of a sudden you just get your merchant account shut down, you can't process anything, the impact that that can make. So it's really cool that you, you know, you were there for Kevin in that situation. And it was funny because I was reading some of the comments on that Facebook post and I saw Jason, Jason Wally Waldron said, Eric Duay is a gem, a true needle in the haystack and then in a quotation part uh, in, in, um, in parentheses, cesspool question mark of merchant account providers. <laughs> so shout out to Jason. Love you, Jason. But, uh, yeah, it's really cool that you are showing up for people in this way and glad you were able to rescue Kevin out of that situation. There's just a few small things that I also want to like give for people that are maybe like, okay, I heard Kevin had a terrible situation. I heard Brandon and, and Eric were talking about having multiple merchant accounts and having access to them. Just a few small things that are kind of nitty gritty details that I think are important for people to think about on this topic. Because when I talked to you last, you were talking about it's not a matter of if this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. It's kind of like one of those situations. And Stripe is great for certain stages and it may not be right or wrong. And it's it's just kind of depending. But I know you had talked about like there being kind of a point when it makes sense to have a conversation with someone like yourself that can help you understand the different important uh, intricacies of this. So we don't have to go into like all the, the intricacies, but like, as far as like the business level that somebody should be at, like how much should they be making per month or per year yeah. for them to kind of start thinking about making sure that they are, have a conversation with someone like you to make sure that they're mitigating risk and not ending up in one of these situations. Yeah, no, definitely. You, 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 you have a great point. And you know what? I always think about, uh, when I start to talk about what people should consider, I always talk about golden end goal. you know, like, uh, I, 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 uh, I gotta explain why I say that. Uh, like Dan Kennedy says, sometimes you can be polarizing, and so I gotta take the risk to be polarizing. Sometimes 
it's too good to check. Sometimes it's too big for them to care about you. And I explain. And I won't give name for the too big to care, but you can imagine the largest big bank uh, 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 with initial GPM. So the thing is that I had a client uh, who was like really like left uh, because his father was um, sick for three months. And they sent him reminders about the about uh, hey you know you should send us your financials and they they forgot the email and then they had this money and they're like I don't care to your father and so sometimes you have like banks who are too big to care that's part of a client and then they have the too easy to check in and that is all the part of a client which is like and it's totally understandable. Huh? Uh, I'm starting a business. I want to limit my cost. That's one. And I want to make sure everything is easy to integrate. So there is a lot of companies who are leveling the playing field. You know, nowadays, you can be in your basement and have Shopify. And Shopify integrates with Stripe. And it's good. Boom. It's done. Uh, the, the thing is that, and honestly, I wish I was the founder of Stripe because I'd be a billionaire now. So mm-hmm. the thing is not about being right or wrong. We got to move the conversation by what works and what does not work. And so the thing is that when you're starting, you want to limit the cost. And so some people would say, okay, I, I'm going to go with a, a shopping card and, and, a, and, and a payment provider. So Tribe card, some card, Shopify, and they use Stripe and it's great. So two things happen is that it's great at the beginning until you do two or three hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, before, you know, it can say it's a small player, you know, it's not like I did it. It's not a scientific thing, but by experience after 17 years, I can tell you that when you hit the three hundred thousand dollar mark, you should start start thinking about what do I do? Uh, because what happened is that I know people that are doing, uh, I, I, they're not yet a client, but they're looking at it. They're doing 20 million a year. And they will Stripe, a big coaching company. And I, and I say, you know, it's not about if, but once they're going to shut you down or all your money. You say, what do you mean? Well, is that the aggregators like Stripe, you were easy approved because you don't really own the merchant account. They own the merchant account and they let you, you know, it's like an aggregator. So it's a sub account. So, so that means you didn't do the whole boring stuff you do with a traditional merchant account provider like us where you do the what we call the KYC, the know your customer, to do how you do it, what you do. So the day you make a mega marketing campaign and the sales spikes through the roof, the chatbot, the algorithm, they just see that as like, this is not normal activity. So we got to hold the funds or we got to shut down. And, and the guy told me, it's true, we had a random thing like this when we had the marketing campaign and they hold funds and I could not hold to anyone. And I sent emails, and after three months, miraculously, I don't know why, it, we were lucky, it, it, it kind of uh, released, but it was like a nightmare. We didn't know who to call, why they did it. It's because it's it's like it's like algorithmic. And then I say, so that's what happened. At the beginning, it may be good because it's uh, the illusion of a bundle rate. Oh, I have three point whatever percent, so it's a bundle rate, which is already a big mistake. Uh, second is like, well, have you thought about, nobody think about that. Have you thought about payment processing as a scaling tool 
those uh, those uh, 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 stripes are going to help you. Maybe not. Second, because they don't give you reports. And at some point, because you didn't go through the merchant account uh, process, you just like on borrowed merchant account, you, you didn't do the process of being really approved. You're just there. They give you that. So all that is good when you do 100, 300,000. But when you pass by, it starts to cost because the more you make transaction, the more the possess percentage cost. And if you're not with a real payment provider, you don't have a transaction breakdown. So you don't know which card you use. So we don't know what's your profession, your, your transactional profile to kind of adjust your pricing model. So all those things make, and if tomorrow, Brendan, because you're a genius and you make a super promotion and you are doing like 100,000 a month and suddenly you do 100,000 a week. Well, somebody from our team at the bank may worst case scenario hold the phone for 24 hours and say hey brendan what's going on oh you know eric let me send you a sample of a marketing campaign and the stats and that's what happened the spike that's why we did 100 okay good no problem so receive receive release good i release the phone with stripe because you didn't go through the process we don't know you as a merchant you're just a number so the algorithm says oh this is too much compared screw to you. normal we're done you're done. So so that's why it's important. Like Stripe is great when you start. And some people do it even when they do millions. So I have nothing against Stripe. Hopefully there is a Stripe lawyer listening. Please don't send me letters of cyst and desist. I'm just like from a business standpoint, let, let's make sure that we understand that at some point, the t-shirt that you like when you are eight years old, you cannot wear it when you're 18. I mean, yeah. buy another one with the the same style, but with a size that fits you, you know? So the yeah. same thing here is that we got to accompany the people and sometimes even, you know, despite themselves. I, I, I give you one last example. A supplement company, they were with, with a Shopify and Shopify is Stripe. They say, okay, uh, let's do uh, Shopify and another merchant account. But Shopify only do Stripe. If you want to do something else, do we got to add 1%. It's like, ah, it's too expensive. So what we want is like, it's okay. Stay with Shopify and create a merchant account on the side with us and then decide this one is for your direct sales. This one is for your affiliate sales because we know marketing, you know. And so then you already have an alternative and with time you'll see which one you want to use more and at some point maybe do a transition and have a, a, a change from Shopify to WooCommerce which is more agnostic and can take any payment. So we got to understand that we entrepreneurs, we marketers, we payment experts. So when we talk to those online marketers or all those, we understand what's marketing, we understand the entrepreneur, we understand payments. So we are kind of unique. And on top of that, we have a superpower that is rare. We care. <laughs> oh man, Eric, this has been so good, so valuable. And hopefully you listening, you heard those stories, you heard some of those benchmarks and you now are at least aware of this uh, because I know this can save a lot of pain in the future if you understand this kind of stuff. So Eric, we've gone all over the place. We've talked about your grandmother. We've talked about uh, so many valuable things with your your first job at 18 and understanding that just a small act of somebody can show up in your life and make a massive impact. We talked about relationship building. So this has been an action
action-packed and super fun episode. I would love to kind of wrap things up by just asking a question that I've started asking a, a bunch of guests, and then we can kind of figure out where they can find out more about the stuff that you're up to. But what does curiosity mean to you, Eric, in terms of the impact that it's made inside of your life and your business? What is How has curiosity impacted you personally? It's a good thing. And I want to tell people that actually I was not aware that you were going to ask this question. <laughs> so, I, so I didn't have a chance to prepare for it. And I'm glad because I'm going to say the things that are not prepared for the thing that I really think. And I, I thank you for that. And uh, for me, uh, curiosity, for me, it's a muscle. Mm. For me, it's a muscle that uh, you get to develop. You know, some people are, are good for playing the flute. But uh, there is a, a difference between being predisposed to play the flute and know that you have a talent and that you work at it. So then you be on the biggest stage in the world. So curiosity is the same thing. Is that A, I think that when we're born, you know, when we're born baby, you see the babies exploring. You see the kids, you know, sometimes they even up to annoying their parents. What is that? What is that? What is that? And then through the time, it looks like we're losing our curiosity. We grow old, maybe sometimes we become cynical, and the the, the curiosity muscle get, uh, suffer from some atrophy. So mm. I think that we should never forget how curious we were when mm. we were kids. We have to have that kid mentality about always, always not taking anything for face value, not being skeptical, but like, why this, why that, how this, what, what this, uh, who this, you know, it's a, sometimes it's a who question, sometimes it's a what question, sometimes it's a why question, but like, like, I think that, you know, I always say, you know, uh, 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 it's, it's like, there is a book from uh, uh, John Maxwell, it's called uh, Good Leader, Ask Great Questions, and I mean, the, the, you know that because you're one of a, you know, you make me look good just by the question you ask, you make so much preparation, you care so much that, you know, questions are, are, are so important. So questions are like the ammunition uh, and like the, the cell that's going to help the curiosity muscle grow. So we should always ask what kind of question uh, and, and and then and then develop, like you go to the gym every day, where well, every day, not to become like self-doubt, but just like to question all the time, like, could I do this? How can I do that better? Or who could help me for that? Any question, where do I come from? What's the meaning of life? Whatever question, but keep that uh, that childlike curiosity because it gets atrophied through time. And I find that curiosity is certainly like the, what, what I would call the muscle who's going to trigger the genius. Because, you know, you mm. want question away from an answer we're gonna make you super successful or super free or super loving or super but really curiosity is not just about asking but it's about expanding the horizon it's like freeing the constraint and discovering way more than you think there was to the question yeah 
Man, I love that. You're right. It is a muscle and it is something that I was just spending some time with some kids yesterday. And it's so amazing to see how curious we always naturally are. So don't forget that you've always been that way. But obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a naturally curious human anyways. But thank you for that amazing excuse to level up our questions, to level up our curiosity. And I I love that answer. So um, I'll really quick, Eric, if people want to find out more about the stuff that you're up to, where can they where can they reach out? Well, uh, definitely they can go, uh, they, they can always, uh, uh, we have several businesses. Our core business is, uh, is payment processing. So uh, uh, if they're interested in being helped with uh, payment processing, they can always send me an email. It's me who answer the email while I have help, but uh, it's eric at fair merchant solutions. So fair, like somebody's fair, merchant, like a merchant, and the solution with an S at the end, dot com. So Eric at Fair Merchant Solution, and I would say, you know, people sometimes ask me, wow, this is bold, fair. You didn't put easy payment. You didn't put the total payment. No, I put fair because that's exactly one of the big things I believe in is accountability. So, you know, the minute your company is being broadcasted as Fair Merchant Solution is like a public statement. So imagine how you can be tossed on social media if tomorrow you start screwing the people. So I have no intention to screw people, but this is a great reminder. Eric, why do you do that? that? To help entrepreneurs so they can benefit from their livelihood because they work hard, but also to remind me, fair is the essence of what we do. We got to be fair. We, 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 we claim it as a public statement, fair merchant solution. So we have no choice. We have to be kept accountable about, and that's what I like. I can walk in the street and nobody, nobody can go to me and say, hey, you know, you screw me. It's like, no, they can always <laughs> tell me, I don't like your accent. That's the best they can do. And <laughs> and, and if they can always go on LinkedIn, Eric Dway. They, they, they can schedule a call if they want to know more like we did. And, and I just want to say one last project that I really care about that I started six months ago is the, the e-tipping solution. And so I, I've become a partner in a company that's called Tip and Go, so tip-go.com. And I realized as I'm a former hotelier, you know, I owned my first beginning of life, I was an hotelier in the five-star hotel, which gave me that kind of five-star mentality treatment in the, in the payment world. And I have to say, there is such a shortage of personal, especially in housekeeping. In, in right now, it's difficult. They close floors, which affect the guest experience and the hotel profitability. And I find that beyond e-tipping as a solution, it's like a way to curb hospitality shortage. And right now, I realize when I talk to major chain, you know, you're talking Marriott, Hilton, Choice, I realize that e-tipping is going to become like online banking is today. It would be like, yeah, it's normal. Nowadays, we have no choice. It's one of the tools to recruit and retain the personnel. So I'm, this is one of the very new venture. I'm really excited about it because I feel that this company is like Apple before become Apple. But most importantly, I have the impression because it's a young company, a year and a half, not even, and growing now, I think there's 17 people. And the, the president has a great vision. It gathers so much talent, whether technology, finance, and, and around. And, and I'm involved more into helping them with those major brands. And I realized being part of something who's going to, like uh, like Steve Jobs would say, who's going to put your dent in the universe. You know, it's like, it's like, it's not about making money 
providing that that solution, which actually no cost to hotel. But it's more like, wow, I'm putting my dent in the hospitality industry to uh, to really help uh, kind of resolve the issue. So I'm kind of part of the solution. And for me, as I see that an entrepreneur never go uh, in retirement, I may slow down in 10 years from now. But I find it's a great wrap-up because I started my career in 1989, 90 in the hospitality. Uh, the last 17 years, I've been in payment processing. And now with that company, I've been asked to leverage my hospitality expertise and connection, as well as my expertise in payment and transactions. So, so it's really something that uh, really excites me. But one thing I want to say before I leave the audience, because I want to say it as a, also another time, public statement of accountability. My biggest joy, my really my biggest joy, uh, uh, except from spending time on the weekend, because I rarely, 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 rarely work on weekends. So except from to, to have the balance to spend time with my daughters and with my wife and playing soccer and enjoying a good meal, not only French cuisine, but one thing that really gives me a kick is two things. A is sharing my experience, my expertise, my knowledge with younger entrepreneurs. I, I don't know if we could say mentoring because then it gives me a pompous position, but it's certainly if we call it mentoring, coaching, whatever, but like I would like at some point when business is doing so well and, and, and the recurring money is coming and it's, and there is diversification. We can talk about that another time, but diversification of 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 of, of, of wealth creation. So you just not do income, but you create wealth, and so you don't have to worry. It would be to spend a lot of time with no no worries about being paid for that, about helping that young entrepreneurs, but doing that, and also spending more time with. Uh, philanthropic work because right now you know it's like you gotta pay the bills you know and you gotta work but you know at some time when you're like Ted Turner you know like a billionaire millionaire it's like really having like I gonna spend I create a foundation spend I already give a lot of time to certain causes and organization but I mean I, I, I would like to have it also like one part philanthropist entrepreneur to mentor young entrepreneur the other one just like helping causes and have a foundation is like man the the money, because remember, as a believer, I believe that I own nothing. I'm just trying to be the best steward. So the money I have is not mine. So trying to be the best steward and in the parable of talent, multiplying that money, but then make it, it money is like energy, make it flow. So it's redistributed, but redistributed fairly because I believe I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a weird mix of a social justice and free market entrepreneur capitalist, you know? So these are the two things that every day I tell myself because I want in five years from now be able to say a business setup that things are flowing and now I can fully dedicate myself to that, you know. Love that. 
Amazing. Well, everyone, go check out Eric. You can send Eric an email, eric at fairmerchantsolutions.com if you want to get a hold of Eric, Mr. Make It Happen, Duet. And uh, man, Eric, it has just been such an honor. And I'm just going to have a really quick conversation with our friends listening. And I just wanted to say and loop back to an earlier part of the conversation. You never know the impact that you're having in the world. And um, I know it's kind of a selfish ask, but my small ask is that if you've been impacted by something today, whether that was a story that Eric shared about his grandmother or about um, you know, how you actually apply the five love languages inside of your business, there's something that you can share that it could be that kind of similar moment where someone hears something and you don't know what that could do. So my ask is that you just take a second to share this with someone. And uh, whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you so much for being here. And Eric, thank you for playing full out today. I appreciate you so much, my friend. That, that's the, well, uh, very grateful, A, that you think that I could contribute some value to your large growing audience because obviously I've read, you know, some people have just, have just podcasts to boost the ego or try to find prospects. I've seen your statistics, you know, you're one of the most listened, when I say podcast, so, so, and you have had like some amazing guests. So for me, actually, I'm grateful to you for thinking that I could contribute value to you to your ever-growing audience. So thank you very much for that. And the other thing I can say is that uh, that's the only way I know how to play. It's to play full out. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. We'll be talking to you very soon. You're the most welcome. Bye.